Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Well, it's do or goodbye for the Tampa Bay Lightning as they play the first in what they hope are four elimination games tonight. This one in Columbus as they trail the Blue Jackets three games to nothing in their series. Victor Hedman is still doubtful. No update yet on Alex Kalorn. So we'll see what's in store for the Lightning in their game against Columbus. The Tampa Bay Rays, meanwhile, the team with the best record in baseball, they begin a homestand tonight against the Baltimore Orioles. How is the hottest team in baseball doing it? We're going to talk to Mark Topkin, who covers the Rays, for the Tampa Bay Times in just a moment. We've got all that and more in this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, do you want to be a millionaire? Where for 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Now, it's starting to warm up out there. you got to check out your air conditioning service. You want to call our friends at Millionaire. They're currently offering... 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. So give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of their great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning units or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. All right, Steve, a lot of discussion about the Tampa Bay Lightning trailing three games to zero to the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is it. They have to stave off elimination, try to get the series back to Tampa Bay and Emily Arena. We know that Victor Hedman is still doubtful. No update on Alex Kalorn. It appears that Steven Stamkos, there's no word on him in terms of the sucker punch, but it doesn't seem as though he will be suspended. So what are the biggest factors heading into this game? Well, I think they need to play a lot more like they played in the third period, where they're using their speed. They're outskating. They're quicker to the pucks. They're winning the puck battles. They're getting in front of the net, and they're putting pucks on the net. It sounds simple, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why haven't they done that the whole series? <laughs> well, it, and, and well, that's a good question. And part of it is, for some reason, they haven't seemed like they're skating with the sense of urgency they needed throughout the playoffs. But the other part is, is Columbus has done a fantastic job in their own end and taking away – the space the Lightning are used to having and the places on the ice where the Lightning operate best and want to be and, and getting the puck and shooting, they're not, Columbus is not letting them get there. So part of it's Columbus, and, and that's a big part of it. They, their game plan going into the series has been fantastic when you look at it, and they've executed it perfectly. The other part is the Lightning, you know, and, and, and the players all talked about it. I mean, in the third period, they finally found out that, hey, if we skate, we can create some space. It's something we've known all along. It's just taken them eight periods to figure that out, apparently. Do you think that part of that, though, was because Columbus was laying back, trying to protect the lead, as opposed to doing the usual trapping and things that they've been doing at, at the blue line? Oh, I, I think part of it, yes. I think that's what enabled it, but the Lightning started having success and then kept pressing and kept pressing, and they were getting more and more chances. 
And even as Columbus, I think, was, you know, especially once the Lightning got that goal, they were trying to pick it back up, but the Lightning wasn't letting them. The Lightning's forecheck was tremendous in that third period, I thought. So you've got to you've got to come out, but you've got to come out from the first the, the first drop of the puck and do that. You know, you can't let Columbus get a lead. That that right. would be the worst thing to happen there is let them get an early lead where now you're chasing the game in an elimination game on the road. You, you know, right. you want to take that crowd out of it. That's been the thing about this series is that outside of game one, when they took a 3-0 lead, they really haven't had that. And yet you and I have talked about how in the NHL, it seems as though games really don't carry over momentum from one game to the other. I think this series has proven that to be the opposite. I believe that ever since blowing game one and having a lead with, what, 15 minutes to go in the final period, that this team has felt pressure as opposed to applying it. And maybe you're right that in the in the third period, desperate down two to nothing, and maybe even with Columbus laying back a little bit, for the first time since maybe the first period of that first game, they applied pressure. And John Tortorella, I think, is, is probably telling his team, don't take for granted that this series is over, even though every mathematical equation in, in the history of the league would suggest that it is, because this is a Lightning team that has won Seven games in a row, three times this season. Four times. Four times this season, yeah. yeah. No, no I'm, I'm sure he's telling his team safe as death. Yeah. Which, you know, he doesn't want his team sitting back and, and playing prevent defense. Because if you do that right. against the Lightning team and the Lightning are skating, you're going to lose more than, li- more than likely. So he definitely doesn't want to – he's telling his team keep pushing, keep pressing, keep going for that goal, keep forechecking, keep the Lightning hemmed in their own zone particularly when you don't have Victor Hedman back there. Anton Strawman skated on Monday, don't know his status for Tuesday. You know, you're missing some of your top defense there. Keep that forecheck going. Make it tough for the Lightning to get the puck out of their own end, and they can sweep that series. Do you think that the, the talk about sort of the legacy of this team and what it will become if they were to get swept in this series is, is, is more of a motivating factor, or is it simply – hey, let's just try to get this series back to Tampa. This season isn't over until we say it's over, so, so to speak. I don't know if the players really are thinking about – I mean, look, they've been – ever since they got eliminated by Washington last May, you know, this, this basically the whole team is back. There's a couple players and a couple young guys up. But their whole motivating factor was to win a Stanley Cup, and that's been their goal. I don't know if – them sitting there thinking, wow, we won 62 games and we might get swept is on their mind. I mean, I know they get asked that. But I, I, I think it's purely pride and, and what their goals were from day one of the season was we want to win the Stanley Cup. That's, we want to lift that over our heads on, on the ice in Tampa or whatever city you win that in. That I, I don't think it's – I think their motivation isn't about, well, we had the best record ever and we might get beat in the first round. I don't think that enters their mind. I think it's all about this is the goal we've set out for. We've busted our butt all year. We've done a tremendous job all year, and we're not really ready to, to end the season yet. I think if you're playing for history, I, I think your, your motivation's you know, maybe slightly misguided. I, I, I think fans do that. I think players are playing for, I want that trophy, and I don't care how I get that. I don't care if I almost got swept in the first round and we take home the, the, the cup. That doesn't matter. How you get it doesn't matter. It's about getting that cup. 
Right. Well, certainly they'd be thrilled just to get out of the first round, even if it took seven games, which it would for them to accomplish that. So that's not a concern right now. Nikita Kucherov will return from his one-game suspension, had absolutely nothing to say about his suspension when asked by reporters about it. Basically said it sucks. I was basically then, I was surprised he went out and talked. Well, he was at his locker. I think he was more or less surrounded. Yeah. Um, but that's that's virtually all he said. He could continue mm-hmm. to say things like next question and no comment. I know that media gets caught up in this. I don't know how fans feel, but you know you you'd like to hear some accountability from Nikita Kucherov in that uh, even if it's the sort of cliche, hey, I let my team down. I feel bad. That was a selfish thing to do. It won't happen again. Some sort of accountability publicly. Do you think that's lacking or not? My impression of that was that he was told to go out there and do that. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I could be wrong on that. Right. I, I was surprised that they made him available to talk. Normally mm-hmm. they don't until after the suspension's over. Okay. That's kind of the, the way it normally goes is – is you go away for the day or two, and you know, I mean, you can. You, he was at the optional skate and that, but they don't really make you available till afterwards. And, and the fact they did beforehand was kind of surprising to me, mm-hmm. which led me to believe that maybe it was the lightning that told him to go out and do that, but don't say anything. <laughs> I mean, you know, the question is, what did he say? I mean, here's here's the thing, and, and I was having this conversation with a couple of people the other night of, you know, as far as John Cooper goes, and and some people want to see him get up there in front of the media and start blasting his team. Coaches say things to the media for purposes. They have they have reasons for when they uh, when they criticize a player, when they're praising a player, and that. I'm more interested in. And you don't know, but what was said in the room? You know, I don't really. You know, I don't care what Nikita Kucherov says to the media about that incident. I want to know: Did he apologize to his team in the room? You know, that's where I think the accountability is, and and I, we may never know that, but. What's more important is, is the way his teammates view him and, you know, how that team and the camaraderie and, and how tight this team is, is, is how that is affected by it. I mean, you know, look, players make mistakes. It was a, a very bad mistake. and a That's very, a big one. <laughs> an awful time to do it. Yeah. You know, and, and my guess is, is that in the locker room itself, he's gone through whatever you need to do to make things right with your teammates. Well, maybe he'll come out inspired. They certainly needed him, and they can use his scoring and his playmaking ability. Do they do anything now with the lines, or do they go back to him and Stamkos, do you think, uh, in Braden Point, or how, how would they do that? That's a good question, because some of the line combinations in the third period seemed to be working. They did. you know, And, and some of it was you were short of forward for the last 10 minutes with Alex Kalorn out, so you were – you were double shifting a few guys there too. So the lines were kind mm-hmm. of a mixed match kind of the, the rest of the period there. But, you know, pretty much Point and Kucherov have been together most of the season. Do they stay with that or do they break them up because they haven't been effective? You know, is it Point and Stamkos together? Is it – it's going to be interesting what, what Cooper does with the lines. And, and quite frankly, they're going to be very fluid. I think if something's not working the first 10 minutes, they may be changing that quickly. I mean, it's, this, is, this is do or die. You can't sit back and wait and see if they figure it out. No, that's true. You better throw the kitchen sink at them. There is no room for error now. They'll have to win four straight games against Columbus, but you can't win four. And I'm sure what Johns Cooper is telling them is you, you can't win four until you win this one. And you win one game, 
which they're capable of beating Columbus one game, there's a certain amount of embarrassment to lose this first-round series. It's happened before to President Cup winners, but it'd be more embarrassing still to be swept in the first round, which makes no sense at all when you look at what you know Tampa Bay has done this year, and then including against Columbus. But I think that you know the mentality is let's make them get on an airplane, come to Tampa, leading three-one, try to get it into a, a three-two situation, and then the pressure would definitely shift back to Columbus, which again led 2-0 to Washington and hit a couple posts in overtime. And the Capitals went on to win that series and then won the Stanley Cup. So, you know, momentum is something in sports. The the Lightning have none of it right now, but they had a lot of it during the regular season. And you just wonder if they could get a first goal, maybe a lead, just if the floodgates would actually open, if they would start to feel more confident about themselves. And you saw a little bit about that in the third period, but now they'll have everybody with maybe the exception of Victor Hedman back for this game, and we'll just have to see about Alex Kalorn. So very important, and perhaps the last, hard to believe, man, could be the last Tampa Bay Lightning game of the season as they try to stave off elimination down 3-0 to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, you hope that, that, I don't know if momentum carries over from game to game, but I think confidence can. Sure. And maybe maybe they're kind of similar, but... You know, I think that that confidence of we, we finally did some good things against that defense that's been stifling us for basically three games. Right. That that can carry over getting Kucherov back. And mm-hmm. look, your hope is on a mental side is Columbus is trying to close this out at home. They don't want to get on an airplane again. No. If you can take game four and make them get on an airplane again, you know they're thinking we can get a week's rest if we wrap this up tonight before the second round starts. Sure. And so you make him get on a plane and have to, you know, win another game where two of the next three are going to be on the road for Columbus. You got a shot. You have to win one. And the only thing I hang my hat on is this, that unlike perhaps some teams, maybe every team, you would expect that after game three and losing up there three to one, that the, the locker room would have been a morose, quiet. Now, I wasn't in the locker room, but from all that I heard and from what John Cooper said, the discussion between players was not that, hey, we're done, we're cooked, this is over. It was quite the opposite. They really did feel as though they felt like themselves, felt the mojo coming back, felt the confidence, and perhaps cracked the code is sort of the what you heard about that third period in Columbus the other night. So if they can continue that, if they truly – look, a lot of times it's just believing it, right? It's not so much whether it happened or not, but whether you believe it happened. And if you can get that feeling back, uh, because we've talked about this before, so much of sports and team sports is sort of that confidence that you have to play with, then, you know, then they can lean on the 62 wins and what they did in the regular season. And all of a sudden, you know, the train is back on the tracks and you're steamrolling people again. So that's what the Lightning has to hang their hat on. There is nothing to, to lay back for. This has to be absolute total desperation. They should have the desperate team. You know, John Torrell is going to tell them that this team is going to come out on fire, that they're playing for their for their virtual lives in the playoffs and for their season, not to end embarrassingly in Columbus with a sweep. So Tortorella will have his guys prepared to match that intensity, but it's hard to imagine that the Lightning won't be the more desperate team, at least early on. And then we'll see if they're able to get a lead, which they haven't had since the first period of the first game and weren't able to hold it. So an all-important game four as the Lightning try to uh, avoid the uh, the sweep to Columbus. 
Well, from the team with the best record in the AHL in the regular season to one that has the best record in Major League Baseball right now, and that's the Tampa Bay Rays, and we're joined by Mark Tompkin, who's coming off a very long road trip, but that was a very successful one for the Rays as they go 7-2. and two. Now 12-4 and four on the season, Mark. Um, they're leading the majors, of course, with that record. they also uh, among the best teams in other categories that we'll discuss. But let me just start by saying that it appears at least that the Rays have found out something about themselves in reading your story in the Tampa Bay Times this morning. They're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, newsflash, they're a revelation. But I, I think it was, you know, kind of an indicative comment uh, by Kevin Kiermaier, the one you're referring to, Rick, because, you know, you don't know. I mean, you, everybody thinks they're good in March. I mean, everybody, like, literally on all 30 teams, at least some people are walking around thinking they're going to be the team that gets to the World Series this year. And, for some teams, you know, that first week is a big reality check. Other teams obviously get on a roll. But I think in the Rays' case, you know, they were really optimistic. They were all excited from what they did at the end of last season. They obviously had a pretty young core. They made a few moves. Some of them, you know, people weren't sure about. You know, why did they trade Jake Bowers? Why did they spend so much money on Charlie Morton? So there was a little bit of a feeling out process. And, you know, I think in the, in the small snapshot of a couple weeks' worth of play, and I think the analogy is this would be about halftime of game two of the Bucks season when you play 16 games out of 162. But they feel pretty good about themselves, and then they did come to that conclusion that, you know, hey, what? You know what? We've played five teams at this point, you know, and we're pretty good to this point. Well, five series wins to start the season, as Kevin Cash said, not an easy thing to do at any point, let alone season that way against some of the teams they've played. Mark, the thing that jumps out to me is pitching, and I guess pitching and defense is what the Rays are built, how they're built, what they're supposed to do, but uh, the two four four ER major leagues. And the other thing that jumps out is just the run differential in, in, that they have right now, plus 38. Yeah, and, and, you know, those obviously go together, Rick, and, and the starting pitching, you know, the three guys together are like 7-1 and one with a one-something right now, Snell, Glassdow, and Charlie Morton. You know, we've seen them use, you know, their untraditional format, obviously use the opener a couple of times. And I think one slight difference, and I wrote a little bit about this for uh, Tuesday's Tampa Bay Times, but I think one slight difference is with the opener, you know, last year it kind of was obvious who was going to follow the opener, who the bulk inning guy would be. And, and, you know, a lot of times Cash would even, you know, drop a hint or, you know, the players would know and tell us or, you know, you'd have ways to figure it out just based on what order they pitched the last time through. But they're being a little bit more coy with that, I think, this year, at least initially. And, you know, it makes sense. I mean, why, if you're going through all those other uh, machinations that are, you know, to kind of catch the other team off guard and make it tougher for them, why tell them who's coming in next? So, right. you know, and that, that happened the game in San Francisco, and I know it caused the Twitter uproar. And, you know, I had, you know, was under the impression you know, they were going to use Chirinos. It was his day. He pitched the day before uh, Yarborough the first time through. And even Yarborough said after the game, they thought it was going to be Chirinos' day. But, you know, they, they went to Yarborough that day and obviously, you know, changed how the Giants had planned to, you know, maneuver their lineup, how they set it up originally and what substitutions they planned to make with a lefty out there instead of a righty. And then he brought Beeks in after that. So it was interesting to see, you know, the, the flexibility that that further creates. I think you might see more of that going forward. And, all part of what makes this pitching staff, you know, effective in a non-traditional way. And then obviously the bullpen, I mean, the no established closer thing. Other teams do that as well. Alvarado. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Seems like he's the guy when there's going to be a guy and they need a guy and, the, you know, all things are normal. But we've seen him pitch in the eighth inning, I think, three times already also. And, you know, they've had a couple of three-inning saves, so it's used the stats to drop. But I think you're going to see a handful of guys get saves. Castillo obviously has one as well. Staying with the pitching theme, there was uh, a game on this road trip they lost. Blake Snell really had a no-hitter there for a while, finally gave up a hit. Mark, they pulled him after, I think it was six innings and less than 90 pitches, I believe. Yeah, 82, 82 pitches. Yeah, how much did that surprise you? And I guess this is a testament to just how sort of committed the Rays are in in the analytical approach that they have with, with not just their pitchers, but with a guy like Snell. Yeah, I don't know if in in that case analytical is the right word, Rick. As much as just you know more of their their you know health maintenance kind of programming or, or thoughts like right. that. I mean, analytical makes you think more. It was like third time through the order, or they didn't like the matchups. I think in this case, and, and and yes, I was very surprised. But I think in this case, it was part of you know a plan, and then they obviously spend a lot of money and a lot of time on you know medical science and sports science and you know, all the latest things that you can get that they have to keep guys healthy and help them recover and all those type of things. But the point is, I think this was decision was rooted in, hey, Blake Snell is going to pitch X amount of innings this year, he's going to throw X amount of pitches, and we're going to be careful with him early on. We're going to give him the extra day when we can. We're going to lighten his load when we can because we want to keep him healthy all year. I mean, two things about last year. One, Blake Snell went on the DL for two weeks, right around the All-Star break, right after the All-Star game. And then he was limited to five innings the first three times after that, including a perfect game, I think, in Toronto, actually, of all places. And then he was taken out of that, his first start back. So, you know, that's one thing. The other thing was he won the Cy Young Award last year. So everything they did last year, it's hard to argue it didn't work and it was the right decision. So the the careful handling early on, it's hard to quibble with that from that perspective. So he threw 100 the last two times out and the question you know was posed to cash and i also talked to kyle snyder about it and said if he threw 100 the last two times why couldn't he throw more than 82 this time and and they kind of turned it around on me and said no it's because he threw 100 the last two times out that they wanted to shorten him up this time and and kyle snyder said that he went into the game they didn't tell us this ahead of time but he went into the game thinking six innings or 85 pitches for snell now you know the no-hitter still being alive might have changed that. Kevin Cash admitted that you know he might have allowed his arm to be twisted a little bit if the no-hitter was still going. But I think what it speaks to is you know they have a longer-term goal in mind now. Now the question is let let's just you know be hypothetical here. They missed the playoffs by one game. They lost that game because they took Blake Snell out because they want to keep him fresh for October. Maybe that's not the right priority there. I mean you go into a situation where you tell your players every day you got to do what you got to do to win that night's game that's a basic mantra for any manager pretty much rick and you know then to turn around and say well but we're going to take our best pitcher out because we're trying to keep him healthy all year i mean it, it makes sense but in the snapshot of what was the best thing to do to win saturday's game maybe that wasn't the best decision right in hindsight's 2020 had chad Rowe maybe you know pitched a little better and they win that game one to nothing or tack on a few more perhaps we're not having the discussion, sure. but it was it was uh, noteworthy 
that this early in the season that he would be pulled uh, with such a good outing and, and not having approached even 90 pitchings. Mark, one thing I have decided, and it's only a few weeks into the season, is that the Tampa Bay Rays have gotten the best of the Pittsburgh Pirates in their deal for Chris Archer. This doesn't <laughs> even look look close. I think they have to send him some more players or cash or something, and I don't mean Kevin Cash, although perhaps, but um, he's doing pretty well right now. With what Tyler Glass now is doing on the mound, but especially Austin Meadows, who is – uh, the player of the week in Major League Baseball, and what a road trip this guy had. And talk about power. Goodness gracious, I I haven't seen one ball hit up there in the 500 level, let alone two in the same game, really within uh, just a few batters of each other, right? Yeah, it was remarkable. I mean, there have been 20 balls hit in 31 seasons, this being the 31st, obviously just a small part of it, but the 31st season of play at the Rogers Center, formerly Skydome in Toronto, into that 500 level, which is truly an upper deck yeah. situation. And then uh, Austin Meadows and then Brandon Lau, four batters apart, do it in the same inning on Friday night. So very remarkable. And, you know, the stat cast numbers weren't necessarily that impressive, 436 feet. But I don't know how that – that must be where it, like, hits. Because if you would have played that to the roll, I'd like to see how far that ball <laughs> went, if that had been able to come all the way down. Because think about how high up it where it hit. I mean, it got cheated a lot of distance there. Uh, yeah. for, for the parabola, I guess you'd say. So very impressive. Austin Meadows, uh, to your point, the Rays have really been impressed with him. I mean, they kept him at AAA pretty much all of last year, even after making the trade. I think part of that was probably service time days, and part of that was they wanted to keep him playing every day and see what it led to, and it led to a great finish at AAA. Uh, he ended up getting hit on the hand there toward the end and missed some games. And then this spring is really interesting, and found this out during the road trip, was Kevin Cash called him before spring training and just said, look, man, you're going to be on the team. Don't come into spring training worried about making the team. We like what you do. We want you to just get ready. We've got a few things we want you to work on specifically and you know, be ready for the season. And I think that took a, a great amount of pressure off of him. He's a low-key guy. He's young, 23 years old. You know, he's got traded, like I said, didn't really come up till the very end with the race. So didn't really know everybody and know his way around. And I think that was a pretty smart move by the Rays to do that and kind of pull the plug on the pressure for him. And, you know, they gave him some things to work on. I know I wrote about this during the spring was they put a, like a GPS vest on him and tried to explain to him, like, you run really, really fast when you're running the bases. But when you run after a fly ball in the outfield, you don't run all that fast. You're good, but you could be faster. And, you know, visual learning, they showed him the difference. Here's what the readouts are when you chase, when you run around the bases and here's when you're chasing fly balls, if you could run that hard in the outfield, you're going to be a lot better outfielder. And, you know, he really took to it. He was actually wearing this vest as kind of a little bit like a sports bra type of device, I guess you'd say. And he was wearing it in games, wearing it in workouts. And they were really happy with the progress he made. And, you know, talking to the hitting coach, Chad Mattol the other day about Austin. And I just said, you know, look, the numbers he put up this week and, you know, he hit five something for the week that they did the player of the week award. He hit all the homers, the big homer, RBIs, OPS of like 1.8 something for the week. And he said, I can't tell you what his ceiling is because he makes everything look so easy. So they really think they have something with this guy and they're having for a long time. They've got six years of control as part of that trade, along with, as you said, Tyler Glass. Now the other half of that, he'll be on the mound tomorrow night when they face the Orioles or tonight. Yeah. And Glass now, we remember, it, it doesn't seem that long ago, he had sort of a, an uneven spring training. He was you know, doing some things with his, with his wind-up and pausing. Now he just seems to be in complete rhythm, Mark, and he's throwing as well as anyone on that staff right now. 
Yeah, he kind of ditched all of that, uh, Rick. And, and, you know, it was something, you know, one of those examples where a guy spends all spring saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And he got to the end of the spring and, you know, the numbers were ugly. And whether you put a lot of stock in spring training numbers or not, 0-5 with a 10-something ERA means you didn't really do anything well. You know, and it's different maybe for a hitter because you're facing a lot of pitchers at the end of games that are totally minor league guys. But if you're a starting pitcher, you're facing, you know, the regular guys in the lineup. And he wouldn't have any success with whatever he tried. So kind of ditched all that. He uses the phrase, you know, when you talk to him now what the difference is, he just says he's just basically trying to be more athletic. He's not thinking about what part goes where. And, you know, those long, tall pitchers have a lot of levers and a lot of movements. They have to get synced up. And I think in Tyler Glasgow's case, it was a matter of, let's not worry about it. Or worry about all that. Let's just go out and pitch and see what happens. And he used the phrase talking about it the other day in Chicago. He said, I can just outstuff people. And that's what he's doing right now. You know, the new guys, when I say new, I mean, obviously Tommy Pham was here last year, but to get him at the start of a season and for an entire season, of course, much rightfully made about, you know, sort of the record, the on-base record that, uh, that he has set. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, guys like Avisil Garcia, um, Yandy Diaz, I mean, these, these are not just guys that are up there, you know, take two and go to right. I mean, they're they're hitting the ball and 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 they're hitting it a long ways when they do make contact. They are, and uh, in fact, uh, part of the piece in Tuesday's Times is about uh, how hard they're hitting the ball, and they are, you know, for for whatever value you put in these type of stats, the uh, cutoff point for what MLB and Statcast determine is a hard hit ball is an exit velocity of ninety five and up. So with with that on the table, now we're all in, in tune with that. Uh, they're third best in the majors as far as the number and the percentage of balls that they hit hard. And a lot of that is those guys you mentioned. I mean, Tommy Pham, they knew that when they got him. Avisel Garcia hit three balls the other night, all clocked at 114 or higher, which without even if you don't want to get into the actual numbers, just know he hit the crap out of it. I mean, it was <laughs> he is just hitting the ball really hard. And even singles. I mean, even singles. Right? Zanino's got, Mike Zanino's got the third hardest hit ball of the year in the major leagues. His double the other day off Alex Colome. So, they are having a bunch of different guys hit the ball really hard, and it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, Rick, and you played a lot more baseball than I ever did, is you know, if you hit the ball hard, sure, once in a while you're going to hit it right at somebody, and they're going to be able to catch it because they don't have to move. But a lot of other times you hit it hard, it's going to get past somebody, it's going to go through between two fielders, it's going to go off a guy's glove because he can't make the play. A lot of good things are going to happen. Yeah, and they're, they're making it happen for sure. Mark, it's been an interesting start for Kevin Kiermeyer. I, I think this is – and, and look, I don't know what to attribute this to necessarily. I think Cash has done a good job of of putting him in situations where he's going to succeed, maybe sitting him against certain left-handers or whatnot. But he's off to a really good start and seems to be more relaxed than I've seen him in a while. Yeah, I, I think that's a good read. And I also think that um, he, he's taken a little bit of ownership of this team. And, and I think he, he tried to do that last year. You know, in the absence of Evan Longoria, and and kind yeah. of thought you know he would be the natural leader, and then he got hurt. You know, think remember he got hurt pretty early in the season. He yeah. he fouled a ball off his foot, and then he messed up his wrist, and he was out for months. And so you know his his season was kind of a lost season, and you know, you can't lead when you're on the DL. That's that's kind of a one of those unwritten rules of baseball. So I think he you know kind of saw a reset here, and you know he spoke to the team at the team meeting and. Uh, which he's done before, but I, I just get that feeling being around him, Rick, that he feels a lot of responsibility, a lot of ownership in this team. I mean, he really wants to win. I mean, he, you know, he's the last link to the playoffs that they have on the roster, and that was oh, in wow. 2013 when he played in the wild card game, and that was it. 
So, wow. you know, his, his experience is, is the only one that's here from then. And, and, and it was a very limited experience as it was. So he wants to get this team back to the playoffs. He wants to enjoy the playoffs. He wants to be part of, you know, these Rays glory days. I mean, you think of him as being the veteran guy, but he really only caught the very, very tail end of it. You know, uh, I don't think this is an accident necessarily, but and it's always certainly more fun when you win. But this team went through a core of this team went through some really you know bad start last year and battled out of it and won ninety games. This seems to be a group of players, and you're on the road with them, Mark. That that seem to enjoy each other's company and playing. Oh, absolutely, Rick, and and uh, that that's something that comes up in almost every you know every group media session. You know that Cash does, or if you go around the clubhouse and just talk to players about you know, the good start or anything like that. It, it just seems to come from everywhere. I mean, Blake Snell brought it up the other day, you know, kind of unsolicited and, and you know, just mm-hmm. talking about what a good time they have. They all like each other. They all feel like they're part of this. You know, everyone's contributing and, and there is a lot of chemistry, a lot of camaraderie. I think for the most part, you know, even the newer guys have become part of that. I and mean, you always have a couple guys that are kind of lone rangers and, and that's going to be the nature of any group of, you know, 25 people trying to get them to do something. But I, sure. I do think that it's true. I think there is some validity to that. Now, you know, Cash said the other day, you know, that that's a key part. Someone asked him, you know, how much does that help? He said it helps a lot. And, and you know, I kind of said, well, but let's be honest here. It doesn't make somebody throw a better pitch or somebody, go, you know, make that leaping catch at the wall or, or win the game for you by hitting the ball out of the park. And he said, no, but it does put everybody in a frame of mind where they're more, you know, they're just like all in, they're all in. They're all in trying to do whatever's best for the team. And, you know, uh, keeping people happy, keeping people in a good mood, keep people in a positive mindset they think does have a payoff on the field even. Mark, I don't think you can win a pennant in April, but I do think you can dig yourself a hole like they did last year and make it hard to climb out of. And yet there's some separation already with the Rays and what's going on with the Red Sox and the Yankees. Uh, what does it mean to have a five-and-a-half game lead at this point in the season? Well, I think it's great for their confidence. I mean, I think they're also smart enough to realize that, yeah, the Yankees have had a plague put upon them in terms of injuries. What, 10, 10 pretty big-name players on the, injured, on the injured list right now. And, you know, the Red Sox, that slow start is going to fade away. I know they had an ugly game on Monday, but, you know, they're going to get playing well, and the Rays play them actually a couple times here, two weeks in a row or two weekends in a row uh, coming up pretty soon, and they certainly don't want the Red Sox to get well at their expense. But, I think if you were the Rays in this situation is you don't take your foot off the pedal one bit. If you can get that lead from five and a half to seven and a half or nine and a half or 10 and a half, whatever you can do, if you know the Yankees and Red Sox are both going to get better, they're going to get well, they're going to get better, and they're going to get more players if they need them. The bigger margin you can build, the better off you're going to be. Absolutely. The Rays begin a homestand tonight against the Baltimore Orioles, and then they play the Red Sox. After that, you can read about it in the Tampa Bay Times from Mark Tompkins. Thanks, Mark. All right, man, anytime. Well, it's good that we have something to look forward to if the Lightning don't make it past game four of their series with Columbus because then we can see if the Rays can have the best record in baseball this year and see what they do in the postseason. Um, incredible start for the Rays, and I don't think it's a fluke. I don't think it's something that's going to go away barring a bunch of injuries, Steve. I mean, this team is built exactly the way they want it to be on pitching and defense, and they've got some young, aggressive hitters and guys I think that have added to what they already had last year in that core, and they seem interchangeable. But Austin Meadows, now he did this last year. He started off quick with the Pirates. In fact, Joe Madden thought he was going to be an MVP candidate the way he played against them. And then eventually, you know, he tapered off and got sent down in the minors. But, you know, he's been through sort of the grind of, of going back and forth. And I think the Rays' commitment to him as their every, you know, 
everyday guy or the guy that's going to be in the lineup most days in right field has certainly relaxed him. And he's off to an incredible start, as is Brandon Lau and some of the other guys. So, you know, this this looks like a team that's going to be a, a tough out, as they say, in the AL East, especially with the hole that both Boston, both Boston and the New York Yankees have dug. We don't know what the Orioles ultimately will become, although I don't have much faith in them, or Toronto, which played, you know, a pretty good series against Tampa Bay, losing um, two out of three. But this is a this is a solid race team. So I, I like what they're doing, and I think they're going to be around for a while because don't forget, they won 90 games last year. I mean, this is the whole thing. They expected to do this. Yeah, I mean, they're just picking up where they left off last season. I mean, considering they started 4-13 and 13 and still finished with 90 wins, they're picking yeah. up where they left off. All these players were young players last year. They have another year of experience, another year of, of – of seeing major league pitching and and facing major league pitchers or you know the pitchers facing major league batters so there's right. no reason to think they can't continue now whether they stay at 12 and 4 pace that's that's record setting in baseball I don't think that'll happen but there's no reason they can't continue to keep winning well you keep knocking off series they've done five in a row now before long if you continue that you're going to have a very very good record and maybe they'll maybe this is the year where you know Teams like Baltimore and Toronto and them and, and Tampa Bay are at the top and the Yankees and the Red Sox stay down, but I don't think the Red Sox are going to stay down very long. And the Yankees just have so many injuries, it's hard to predict exactly when they'll come back. But it's going to be you know, still 19 games with both those teams and a lot of baseball ahead of them. I also, uh, you know, in terms of the Lightning playing tonight, look, I expect the Lightning to come out and, and be the desperate team. I also think that Kucherov will give them a lift just having them back on the ice. And if they did recapture anything in that third period I think it'll show early it'll be interesting to see if they could get a lead in in this game Steve at some point whether it's one to nothing two to one whatever that is and and see what happens to this team if there is the proverbial flip you know switch that can be flipped I think that the background of 62 wins and the way they did it that there's a lot there there's a lot of of you know confidence there that they just need to retap into yeah, I mean, look, no one, including the Blue Jackets, think that the Lightning aren't capable of rattling off four in a row. Sure. There's, there's no question about it. Now, they have to play a lot better than they have in the first three games of this series. Right. And if they can pick up where they left off at the end of game three, then they have a, a real good shot to win game four and then bring it back to Emily Arena and then you know see if you can win three in a row with two of those being at home. But they can't wait for Columbus to get a goal or two and then start playing. They've, no. got to, they've got to do it from the jump tonight. You know, you're going to know real quick what, what team shows up tonight, I think. Absolutely. And if Columbus scores, they can wrap up the series. That building will be electric, and it'll be a tough thing to dig out of if you're Tampa Bay with uh, the lack of success they've had in this series so far, down three games to nothing. So, folks, I know you have a choice of air conditioning companies. It's starting to warm up a little bit. Uh, please uh, check out our folks at uh, Millionaire. Howard and Sue Million have been doing this in Tampa Bay for a long time, and they're currently offering 0% interest on 72 months on their qualifying train equipment. You can schedule service or maintenance. Just call them at 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. For Steve Versnick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.